Hello, I'm Jenny, back again with Amy. Hello. Bringing you Positively PCAVs, the new podcast created by local charity PCAVs. So Amy, how's your week been? It's been a typical lockdown week, same as last week, same as the week before. How has your week been? I have to say, probably much the same as yours and much the same as everyone else's. I went to Tesco yesterday, that was exciting. This week, we're getting into a topic that affects half the population, period dignity. So I suppose the question is, why this particular subject? So period dignity is something that we have been talking about at PCAVs quite a lot recently and local people will likely have seen information about free period products and about the tampon taxi floating around on social media. At PCAVs we talk about period dignity rather than period poverty like a lot of other organisations now do. Period poverty work has been fantastic and has gained loads of traction in areas like um, access to sanitary products at school and making sure that girls don't miss school because they don't have period products. But it does have some negative connotations. And we're really keen to talk about equal access to period products for absolutely everyone who needs them, regardless of their situation. So Amy, for those who maybe haven't seen a bit about it, could you talk about the tampon taxi? Oh, people that haven't seen it, where have you been? We have been in all the papers. All the papers. So our tampon taxi is started off in Perth and spread Perth and Kinross is now in Creef, Blair Gowrie. We started off delivering free period products, contactless, to people's doors for everyone that would usually access period products in school or college, which was now, you know, closed with the lockdown. So we moved our services to be deliverable to doors, tampon taxi. And uh, and people might have seen that we also now have our own give and take box. We worked with the North Intermuton Community Council to get our very own box put at the bottom of the Junkeld Road, which we keep all filled up with period products for those who need to grab some on the way past. Mm, and it is used a lot. We are topping up that box on a regular basis. Oh, not half. It's keeping me very, very busy. Luckily, Amy and I both live quite close by, so we were able to pop down and uh, fill it up when needed. But at the moment, we're filling it up every day. We are here with the free period products. Uh, We are, I would say slowly, but actually quite quickly, becoming the crazy tampon ladies of Perth. Oh, yeah. Uh, Yeah. So given how much work we've been doing around period dignity recently and all the chat about the tampon taxi, we thought it would be appropriate to have an episode about period dignity and get into the issues. Amy and I are really excited to take part in this week's conversation, which will be about all things periods. And we are looking forward to being joined by Vicky Chapman, who is the support group leader for Endo Dundee, as well as Laurie Hughes, who is the partnership and communities manager at PCAVs and one quarter of the PCAVs tampon taxi team. So for this week's group discussion, we are joined by Vicky Chapman from Endo Dundee. Hi. And Laurie Hughes, who is the Partnership and Communities Manager at PCAVs. Hi. And of course, Amy is back with us as well. Still here. So let's, uh, let's start off with this. Just a nice, easy topic, um, <laughs> period dignity this week. Thank you all for joining us to chat about it. Clearly, we're all here because we're quite comfortable talking about periods, but I realise that that's not true for everybody. 
why would you guys say that it's important for you that this is a topic that is given your time and that's talked about? Uh, I feel it's important to speak about periods um, because I was diagnosed with a condition called endometriosis um, in 2017, um, having started my periods aged 11 and diagnosed aged 29. I think periods, like, you know, I think all of us just think what we're going through is normal and there isn't enough sort of openness about periods and what each person's normal is. Um, I'm definitely more comfortable talking about it now than I maybe used to be um, in order to share my experience and in order to support people. Um, so I run a local support group for women in Dundee. The group itself covers South Aberdeenshire, Angus, Perth and Dundee itself. So quite a wide area. And endometriosis is a condition that affects one in 10 women. Um, and can cause symptoms including painful, heavy or irregular periods. It's where cells similar to those lining the womb grow elsewhere in the body and then when a period comes they bleed but they don't have anywhere to escape to. So that's that's kind of my motivation for speaking about periods. I think for me I had the absolute privilege of working for a women's organisation for five years and I think Prior to that, and prior to some quite challenging kind of life experiences, I perhaps wasn't so aware of women's issues as being something that I felt incredibly passionate about. I have always been described as a difficult woman, and um, my parents would certainly have said that I would argue black was white. I went to do politics at uni um, where feminism was spoken about, but I guess in quite theoretical terms. And I never really understood or appreciated perhaps what that meant to people in day-to-day -day life until I started working at a women's organization. And then my world, my world perspective changed. Um, everything I did became about women and I became much more comfortable talking about women and being around women and talking about women's things. Uh, previously, I would say kind of, I prefer to be around the guys. I find that naturally easier. But working in a women's organization taught me to use my voice because I am privileged for a lot of different reasons to use, to utilize or make use of that privilege to ensure that other people um, have their thoughts, their concerns and their issues uh, raised on a, on a different platform. So talking about periods is part of that kind of broader agenda and my values base. Jenny will know and will probably giggle with me when I say this that I don't, talking about things like this doesn't necessarily come easy to me. I can't say a lot of the appropriate biological terminology without being a bit daft about it. Um, we're getting better. Um, but I think it's absolutely something that me, I need to learn, I need to get better at doing. And if I feel more comfortable about talking about it and putting it at the forefront, then I hope that other people will do the same. What about you, Amy? I think it's important that we talk about it more, just generally normalising something that is completely natural. And from my experiences growing up, um, I found I was quite almost brushed off as having if I had any pain or discomfort and go to the doctor about it, they were just like, this is normal. And I would think, okay, 
this is normal, but I would be in a disgusting level of pain, like being sick and getting sent home from school and being told that that was normal when perhaps it isn't actually that normal would have been, it would have been more beneficial for me if it was normal to talk about it on a wider scale. Like if my school teachers and my mum, like my mum didn't go through the same I did, but if they had more of a conversation about it in school, then maybe I would have realised earlier on that that wasn't how it was meant to be. And even my friends talking about it, maybe thought I was overreacting, but just making sure that young girls and women know that if they're going through something that they don't feel is the right level of pain or that they don't feel is entirely normal, that they should be comfortable talking about it to reduce that stigma. And just making sure that people find, they find out if there's something maybe not quite right that they should have addressed much earlier instead of you know getting to 29 and realizing there is actually something really wrong and that doctors have just brushed it off as normal female sensitivity. Yeah, I think for me, what, so I've on a personal level struggled for a long time. I have uh, polycystic ovarian syndrome, which took like Vicky a really long time to get a diagnosis for and get the help that I needed. And it is something that affects me all the time. Um, I have periods that last at their longest, one lasted nine months. Um, it's not a lot of fun and it it's took a long time to be taken seriously. But I think what really turned the corner for me about it, actually it's something we need to talk about openly and you guys will probably, most of you have heard me you, uh, talk about this before. But a couple of years ago, I was at the Perth Women of the World Festival and there was a woman there who had been there the year before and she was sharing that she had gone to a workshop that was specifically to talk about periods, which I have to say at that time isn't something that I would have gone to. I've always been a bit squeamish. Um, about the whole thing and she shared that they had talked about periods and it was the first time in her life in her adult life that she had sat with other women and talked about periods and actually she'd realized through talking to other women that her experience wasn't normal and she'd gone to her GP and kind of insisted on being taken seriously and it turned out that she had ovarian cancer and it actually saved her life being able to have an open conversation with other people and I think for me that just made me think oh my goodness like this is, we need to be able to talk about this. Women's lives depend on being able to have open conversations about their experience and being able to share what's happening to them, which is difficult to then move on to the next topic from. Yeah, that, wow. That's quite heavy. <laughs> so the title of the episode is Period Dignity, and that's a term that we have been using at PCAVs through all our work with the Tampon Taxi and our community planning partnership around the provision of period products. At the start of the episode, we did have a little explanation of what we mean when we talk about period dignity, but I'm interested to know what does it mean to you guys? When you talk about period dignity, when you hear about period dignity, what does that expression mean to you? I think for me, um, periods are often associated with shame and with uh, like a feeling of uncleanliness or dirtiness or it's something that certainly should should be hidden it's not something that we certainly feel comfortable talking about and um, we should hide it um, period dignity to me is about enabling and empowering young women and girls to be able to have those conversations we are it shouldn't be something that's hidden away it's a fact of life it's something that happens to Lots of women, not all women, and again, that needs to be talked about in exactly the similar way. 
Um, but it's something that we, we should be able to converse with. It's a bodily function. It's not something that people have a great degree of control over. Um, and you know what the reality of the situation is? You never know when it's going to come along and disrupt your plans. So we, we all need to be in a position where we can adapt and uh, evolve to that situation. And that means being able to talk about it, but it also means to me um, having access to products to enable you to adapt to life and the reality of that situation. So I think for me, period dignity is about all women and girls and actually anybody that has a period um, being able to get access to the products not just that they need, but they prefer and they want. I think that that's, to me, what dig dignity is. Dignity is about the freedom to make that choice um, and to, to choose the products that, that you want, um, not based on income or not based on purely what's available to you at that particular moment in time. It's, it's about choice. How do I follow up that? Like, I, I think Laurie's covered most of what I would say. Um, I think from my point of view, um, quite a lot of the, the choices, well, qu quite a lot of what I did when I started my periods was based on what my mum had done. So my mum used pads, so I used pads. Um, I didn't, I have never tried tampons, um, never really felt the need to, to be fair. Um, but now there's so much more choice in terms of you know menstrual cups and there's reusable products and there isn't i wouldn't say there's enough information out there available about what these products are but i think that's getting better through the likes of um tampon taxi um, and also what local councils are doing so as my day job i work for a local authority um, and I was involved in creating the periods and menopause policy as part of the work that I do there. I was also involved with Free Period Angus Initiative. Basically, these products are available in almost 200 places for people to just simply go and access. And, you know, there's no shame attached to that. If they need to take them, they take them. I was also tagged in something this morning to say that Dundee City Council are now um, delivering products to people who are self-isolating um, which was refreshing but period dignity for me I would say similar to Laurie is about the choice that people get to make as to what works for them and the products aren't going to work for everyone you know you need to work out what works best for you and be open to the idea of change and not necessarily just do what your mum did or your sister or whoever um, it's about what's right for you and your body and listening to what your body needs. Yeah, I would agree with what everyone's just said, that not being ashamed of it and having the access to it, the products that you need and prefer. And it just based, the basic human right to be taken seriously by a GP, not walking in and feeling that, that almost embarrassment, having to sit there and be like, oh, my cramps are so bad, I'm sick, and them going, that's nothing. And then just kind of leaving a bit like, mm, well, I'm a little bit embarrassed at that. Like it kind of sounds like I've made a fuss out of nothing. So just that right to be believed by a medical professional and not just brushed off or told to just deal with it. 
Yeah, um, I know for me, growing up with a mum who's a nurse um, was brilliant because nothing was off limits in our house. Um, and it was something that we have always talked quite openly about, although as I said, I've been quite squeamish um, in the past about it, although recently it seems to be all I ever talk about, feedback from my family and people who know me. How were periods discussed in you guys' houses growing up? What are your memories of that? And do you think it shaped the way that you think and talk about periods and about access to products? I would say that my like so it's only me my mum and dad when I was growing up and I would say my mum was always quite open about the fact that she struggled with her periods and then you know me struggling with my periods didn't really set the alarm bells going for me in terms of you know something could actually be wrong although like Amy I went to the doctor several times and just got given pain relief it was oh go take some methanamic acid and you'll be fine what about you guys, Laurie and Amy? Um, how were what are your memories of talking about periods at home with your with your parents or with siblings? Um, I grew up. It was me, my mum, dad, and brother. And I remember, I, I vaguely remember my mum telling me about it when I was about. I must have been ten, maybe, because my best friend had older sisters, and it had come up in conversation and. I would have got my period at 11. I was quite young. I got it in about P7. I was quite young, but she expected that. So she kind of, she kept trying to bring it into conversation and I just didn't understand what it was because I was, I was young. And then I remember having a talk at school about it in primary six. And that's, that's all I really remember. I just, I think it was just a school talk and a brief conversation from my mum about oh, you're, this is going to happen, um, you can't stop it, it's going to happen, you might be, it might be now, it might be in six years, and it was just kind of given to us as fact. It wasn't singled out, I just remember it being a very normal conversation of just, this is a period, girls will get it, it is what it is. <laughs> I've never been embarrassed about it really, because it's something that I knew from a young age. We had a... Uh, um... We had a lesson about it, and the girls only, and we were told that one of our auxiliary teachers had this little bag with products, and so if we were to start a period during school, we could go to her. Except what happened to me when I got my first ever period was, so of course, by this point, the girls had all told the boys what the little bag was. Everyone knew what the little bag was. And I took the auxiliary teacher out of the room, told her what had happened. She went back into her handbag at the other side of the front of the classroom, picked it up, and walked across the room in front of the entire class with it. So there was no doubt in anybody's mind by the time I came back to class that I had just started my period. So the joy of going to a small countryside primary school, there was absolutely no privacy. <laughs> oh God, that's awful. I remember, even though I was expecting my period and kind of figured I would, my mum had kind of preempted me that she got it around that age, I still thought, I still thought something was really, really wrong when I got it. Like, I just remember being like, I'm dying. I remember telling my mum and she knew, she knew because she did the washing and then it was just fine after that. And she made me up, a, I had a little, and to this day still use as a little like pencil case of products that she would put in my school bag. She always reminds me to this day that she did, about P6 after that conversation, put it in my bag because I think she knew that I was going to get it in the next year. And she just, I think she just knew me a lot better than I did. 
What about you, Laurie? What was the period chat like for you growing up? There wasn't any, really, I don't think. Um, that's why I'm sitting here thinking, gosh, you guys have all lived in very open households. Um, mine, um, like, I don't, I don't recall having those conversations with my mother particularly. Um, looking back on childhood, I don't remember ever having really open conversations, which again, I guess is part of my rationale as to why I want things to be different for my daughter. I don't want her to have to be uncertain or unsure or feel, I guess, that, that shame. Um, I, w I want her to grow up being able to have that open dialogue and communication. Do you think that changed the way that you, going into adulthood, thought about your period and talked about your period with others? When you said it wasn't something that you would have been comfortable talking about before you went to work. Yeah. yeah, I would agree with that. I probably agree that it shaped uh, how I have been able to communicate about things like this. Um, everybody, I think, that knows me knows that I'm generally someone who is quite good at communicating and quite open about chatting about things, but I've had to learn to be like that. That's not something that kind of was instilled in me from, from being younger. Um, so no, it's, it wasn't something that I, I ever openly discussed. I too, though, um, have polycystic ovarian syndrome, like Jenny has said. Um, I think I probably had a little bit of a, an easier experience in terms of being diagnosed with that. But what I would say is that having that and all the irregularity and all the fun of the fear that that can bring into your life meant that, do you know what? I, I genuinely didn't know if it was going to appear or not appear on a month to month basis. So it's not ever something that I think talking about would have made much easier for me as a kid in terms of preparation and things like that or as, as a young person because genuinely it just appears whenever it wants to appear. It can be six months apart, they can be two weeks apart. There's there's no there's no pattern, there's no regularity to it. So it just was kind of, well, it's happened, it's happened. Yeah. I mean, I don't know about you guys. I know Vicky and Laurie, you both also have these hormonal issues related to the conditions that, that you guys have. For me, I think the thing that I couldn't, I wasn't prepared for and no one could have prepared me for was the mental impact that the hormonal imbalance has had on me. So I know that women being hormonal is a, is a topic that is quite funny in popular culture that we laugh about. Um, and I, I do. I will make jokes about I'm just feeling hormonal and dismiss my own feelings. But I suffered from depression for about 12 years and it was really closely linked to my hormones being imbalanced. And it was something that medically people really struggled to put together and work out that those two things were linked and get the help that I needed to overcome that. I think with endo, I think the treatment options that I've been on since surgery they all have their own little side effects some of which can be relating to hormones I think you know some days I want to just have a rant and some days I want to have a cry and some days I just feel foggy like completely foggy like my husband didn't quite understand what I meant when I said I was having a foggy day but coming along to meetings with my support group and actually hearing other people speak about it I think he has a better understanding now in terms of, you know, whilst you're there in person, you're 
your brain's just not there. Like, you know, you, you know what you're trying to say or you know what you're wanting to do, but it's just not doable with how the condition and the treatment you're on impacts that. So, like, it, it's kind of a running joke in our household that if we both go to speak at the same time, he will now say, okay, you go first. And then I tell him what I want to say because otherwise if he goes first and then he then asks me what I wanted to say, I can't. I have no recollection of what I wanted to say. Like, it goes, completely goes. And it'll come back to me hours later, but it's it's embarrassing. Like, you know, you can be like, just try to say something and then, no, it's gone. And people just associate that with older women who are going through menopause, but my treatment means I don't bleed. So essentially, I'm going through menopause as it stands at the moment. So, and being told you're too young for menopause isn't helpful either. I think for me, um, again, those that know me quite well are know that I'm really open to talking about my mental health is something that I struggle with. I think I first got put on antidepressants when I was 13. I think it probably does have a link. Um, I think because of its irregularities, it can be quite hard to pinpoint if it's, if it's a direct link. But my, my mental health isn't great at the best of times. And I, I do think on reflection, looking back, a bit like Jenny has already said, I do think that there probably is a, a wider kind of hormonal imbalance at play. So when we talk about period dignity, um, access to free period products is a huge part of that. Do you guys think we've reached equality of access in Scotland and what do you think we could maybe be doing a bit better? No, I don't think we have reached equality of access to products. I think when you, PCAVs did a survey back in spring 2019, um, which discussed many things, uh, including kind of uh, period product preferences, etc. And no, at that point in time, there were, there's quotes and um evidence that backs up the fact that no equality of access is we haven't reached we haven't reached that stage at all and I think whilst in Scotland we are incredibly incredibly lucky to have Monica Lennon banging the drum um, in terms of period products what she has done has been absolutely amazing and if we need to look for a role model for young women then I don't think we need to look much further than Monica I think that it's certainly more open to being discussed now in terms of access to products, but there's still quite a, a long way to go. I think I'd probably agree again uh, with what Laurie's saying. I've had the privilege of meeting Monica a few times through my endo work, and recently I was asked to speak in Scottish Government on behalf of Endo UK. Uh, Monica held a evening reception to mark endometriosis awareness month and she opened the event I then did a little bit so yeah I think having been involved in the work at Angus I really see what we're doing as being important and I feel like the conversation is there now people are more willing to speak about it having the periods and menopause policy at work when I was asked to do it it was just a menopause policy and then I kind of put my foot down and said, well, no, if you're wanting me to do it, it's including periods too, because I feel that's important and it's important to support people in the workplace who are living with conditions that can impact them in a variety of ways, particularly including fertility. But I do, I do think we are getting better at having those conversations and having access to the products that people need when they need them. Yeah, I would agree with that. Definitely, there's just not, we're not quite at the level of equality of access in Scotland but we're doing I would say we're doing pretty 
good on the path to getting there. Definitely in the last couple of years, I've seen a lot more free period products in bathrooms or like at universities. My university, when I was there, they had a very obvious bowl of condoms in the Students Association and no tampons or anything like that. But um, my uni was quite progressive. And when after I'd left, they did eventually get a matching bowl, I think, of tampons. They had free period products available, even if it was you were going in and getting a bag. So there was the right steps there. But I do think, I remember being at school and there not being anything. You had to go to the nurse. And it was always like the biggest maxi pad possible when you maybe didn't need that. But it was, that was all she had. And it was like a mattress. But I think just that is just getting it back down to normalizing something that is completely normal and making the products available in as many places. Like obviously at PCAVs, we've got the bags on the back of the door now, which is great just to have them there and having like reusable options, I think making them more readily available. Cause I feel like at the minute they're, I feel like they're still quite expensive, but we're still getting, whether it's a cup or the reusable pads, just getting them more readily available. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, when we talk about how things have progressed, I was talking to someone last week who was telling me about her, when she first got her period, it was um, the Dr. White's netting with pink cotton wool in it that you strapped to a belt front and back with no lining underneath it. So it didn't actually stop everything from going anywhere once it was time to change it. And the, the genuine trauma of uh, of starting a period and that being the option that she had and when we think now about the fact that we can use reusable pads we can use cups every shape size color of tampon under the under the sun um, and all the different types of pads i mean that's fantastic but yeah it's making the as laurie says the products that people actually want available to them it shouldn't be that you have to go to the bottom of the barrel because actually you need an access to free products you should still be able to choose what's appropriate for you so before we kind of round up and go on to our last question which is a bit silly is there anything that anyone wants to add that you haven't been able to say emma barnett's book which is called it's about bloody time period is worth a read it covers a variety of different things. I feel like it educated me. And I know a reasonable amount about periods, but it, it was quite interesting to read. And I'm trying to get my husband to read it, but that's proving a little bit more difficult at the moment. But I would seriously, whether you have a gynae condition or not, give it a go and see how you get on. Thanks for the recommendation. We'll, uh, we'll stick the details of that in the show notes so that people can look it up if they want to. If I can add anything, what I would add is for, I guess, men, boys and men to become greater allies in terms of talking about this. I know that certainly in the past year, I have had to have conversations with our CEO, Paul Graham, that I certainly never thought I'd ever be having. We have spoken about menstrual cups on far too frequent a basis. Um, but he's, do you know what? At the beginning, we had some, we had a good giggle about it and actually, He's, he's gotten so comfortable about talking about it and I applaud Paul for doing that because actually I'm in a lot of meetings where we don't call it sanitary products, we don't use the appropriate terminology because men are still uncomfortable about talking about it and addressing it and acknowledging that it's an issue. So I think hats off to those that are actually in the position where they feel comfortable enough to talk about it and I, 
absolutely respect the men that, that do that. Yeah, absolutely. Could I so, add one more thing? Yes. It was just in relation to uh, the menstrual well-being campaign that's currently being run by Endometriosis UK. So at the moment, menstrual well-being is not covered in the Scottish curriculum. Um, however, there is a campaign for that to be added. Um, so anyone of any sex um, anywhere in the UK, well, in fact, anywhere in the world, I think, can actually sign this petition to get it to go forward. So I can share the, the link with you for that as well. Absolutely. We will stick that in the show notes too. So anyone who would like to sign can just can click down there and can add their signature. That sounds like a really worthwhile campaign. So finally, we want to ask everyone who joins us on the show to share with those listening one thing that you have been doing to get yourself through lockdown. Now, uh, who wants to start us off? Amy, do you want to go first this week? No, but I do the same things every single week, you see. <laughs> <laughs> I've been doing a lot of self-care this last sort of week. Um, I don't know if it's just because my skin, it's summer now, so my skin's gone dry, but somehow still oily and spotty and just generally not having a great time. But I have invested in, well, not invested, but found a few face masks that I actually have the time and even if I'm just working from home I've been sitting them on and hoping no one wants a zoom call until I can wipe it off but that's that's been getting me through this week just getting nailing my skincare routine so that when this is over I can come out glowing amazing well we can't wait to see that when we all go back to work Amy we'll, we'll expect you to be radiant <laughs> like a moon <laughs> new moon like, like the moon <laughs> Sorry. Vicky, what one thing have you been doing to get yourself through lockdown? Well, we're lucky that we still have our guide dog in training with us um, because she is also on lockdown. So I have been spending lots of time with Amber um, and taking her for a walk once a day, having a little hour of exercise after I finish work. Um, I've also been enjoying the use of my slow cooker, which sounds like a stupidly sad thing to say, but I am now telling everyone, go and use your slow cooker because food has never tasted so good. That is an excellent tip. Laurie, what have you been doing to get yourself through lockdown? Lockdown for me has been pretty challenging for a couple of reasons, which we're not going to go into, but I am um, very lucky to have two incredibly cheeky and mischievous, but also wonderful children who um, have been very patient and very tolerant of mum's obsessive Zoom calling and Jenny being on the phone 93 times a day. But I think smiles and hugs from them. Also a little bit guilty of ordering myself new books and pens whenever I'm feeling a bit down, but that's just me. But I think in all honesty, I have really learned that I'm very lucky to have some incredible people in my life over the past couple of weeks. Um, and I'm just sitting here just now. I got a, a gift through the post from one of my friends, Sharon, which is a little box that just says, believe in yourself. And there's lots of little note cards in it with some empowering quotes and some empowering messages that have made a big difference to me over the past few weeks. So thank you to Sharon. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what's getting me through lockdown. Other people, I think, is the answer. Well, Amy and I have to do this every week. So you'll forgive me if mine isn't quite as profound. Um, as Laurie's 
I downloaded TikTok this week and it is awful and I don't understand it and I love it. And I have spent hours and hours watching people I don't know doing the same three dances to really annoying songs. I got Zoe at PCABS to make the one where you hit your feet off each other with me. It's terrible. It's not any good at all. We're never going to show anyone else, but it was great fun. So that's what I've been (laughs) That's what I've been doing. Like a true adult, what I've been doing is uh, going on TikTok this week to keep myself occupied. Uh, I fully support that. I fully support TikTok. Okay, so uh, thank you ladies so much for joining us and we look forward to hopefully having you on again soon. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Bye. Throughout today's interview, Vicky talked about her experience with endometriosis. We asked her to give us a quick rundown of the symptoms that she's first started to notice and what someone should do if they're worried. This is what she told us. Like when I started the pill, that seemed to mask my symptoms and it was only when coming off of that that, you know, the pain was actually impacting me daily, whether it be when I was on my period, when I wasn't menstruating, it was all the time, like lower back pain impacting my day-to-day activity that isn't normal so endo uk's um suggestion is that if you're having periods that impact you daily and impact your ability to do daily activities you need to go and see your gp the problem you have is gps sometimes brush you off and don't really take what you're saying seriously so there's like resources on endo uk's website so there's pain and symptoms diary and a consultation questionnaire and it's actually really helpful to go along to appointments with these to be able to say look this is what i'm experiencing whether i'm bleeding or not bleeding but i think it's about being your own advocate you shouldn't have to be but in some cases you do because otherwise it doesn't like it doesn't go anywhere you just need to not take no for an answer and if you don't get somewhere with one doctor, go to another one. And if it's a case of you need to change doctor's practice, if that's an option, then try that as well. A massive thank you to Vicky and Laurie for speaking with us today. If you want to find out more about Vicky's work with Endometriosis UK, you can check out the webpage for her support group, which we'll link in the show notes, or follow her on Twitter at endodundee. There are loads and loads of organisations out there who are involved in work around period dignity. To name just a few, there are Hey Girls, who operate a buy one, give one scheme and have donated products to our tampon taxi. On the Ball, the Menopause Cafe, Flow Free, Free Period UK. And of course, we have our own tampon taxi, which you can get in touch with for free delivery of products in Perth and Penross. We will stick information for all of those organisations and about how to get in touch with the tampon taxi and put in your order in the show notes. If you're worried about anything or something doesn't feel right to you, always contact your GP to talk it through with the doctor. Finally, before we finish up for today, it's over to Agnieszka for this week's Ask Agnieszka question, which is all about reusable period products. Hi Agnieszka, welcome back to the podcast. Hi, hi Jenny, thank you. How are you? I am doing all right, thank you. How are you getting on? I'm fine. I, I'm enjoying uh, the weather outside my window. Yeah, great. It's nice to have some sun to look at, I suppose. 
at least to look at, yeah. Can't <laughs> complain. So are you ready for this week's question? I am all in. Bring it on. Okay. So this week we have been asked, do you use reusable period products? And if not, would you consider using them? So what do you think? Do you use reusable period products? Well, I have to admit that I don't. But I would really uh, like to, I'm, I'm going to explain myself. Uh, I don't use at the moment, like I've uh, realized, I think since having a baby that reusable things like nappies, uh, pads are such a great things just to reduce the waste. Like the amount of nappies we put in the bin is just unbelievable. We were really struggling when he was younger with the space. And then I started looking at things that I'm using. I could start maybe, you know, changing to reusable ones like the period products. So I know I'm very bad for not using reusables, but I would really like to. There's really no reason for me not to use it. I think it's just, you know, they will, I'm just set in my old way. And I think probably most of the women will feel the same. It's just something new that, you know, you've, you've not used before. And it's not, I guess, as, uh, you know, as easy, as simple as the, as the pads we're used to, you know, you just use it once, getting rid of it, bend it, and it's the end of the story. So I guess it's just changing that, you know, to being maybe more on it, doing some more because you have to wash it. Yeah, I think it's that. So I'm very close to start using that, but I'm not there yet. And I think maybe... Maybe that chat will bring me maybe more and answer some questions that I have that some other women might have as well. So do you think you would be more likely to use reusable pads than in something like a menstrual cup? I don't know, because like, again, like that's something, to be honest, I've only heard about like a few months ago and I was like, oh, how would that work? I'm quite scared of them, to be totally honest. I'm quite scared of them. I know, I'm I'm kind of the same. And... uh, so I probably, I would try it. I'm not crazy about the idea at the moment, but I think just the idea of not, you know, having that hustle of, of you know, of changing paths. And yeah, I think it, it might be actually, you know, might give me more comfort than, than I really think. So I think it's a great thing that, you know, these things are there on the market and saving, uh, saving us money, saving waste. So I think it's a really good idea. And I think it's just, you know, that first step you need to take to try. And then it, you know, might turn out it's actually, you know, uh, less scary than we think. Yeah, I think so. Certainly the people I know who use cups in particular say it's like changed their life. And the amount less that they spend is ridiculous. Like £20 for a cup that lasts you 10 years. When I spend probably 7 or £8 a month on pads at the moment no i know a few people who use uh the reusable uh, pads and cups and they are very happy they will never go back so i think it's just changing that mindset i think we're in and you know yeah. and that's all it takes and you're reducing the waste and saving money so like really can't ask for more can you no it's definitely the way forward i think um i'll just need to be brave and get... i think you and i should make a pledge right now right <laughs> here that we are gonna next time we need it we're gonna use the cup what do you say i don't know about the cup i think reusable pads are probably okay more step by step baby steps baby steps okay 
Pads? I will I will get some reusable pads though for next time. Me too, okay. It's a deal. Um thank you so much, Agnesia, for joining us. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure and it's so good that you know that we've got that space to talk about important things and you know maybe share the worries and you know questions that we might all have but you know we don't always feel you know in a safe place to ask or you know well we look forward to finding out what the question is next week and chatting to you again then have a good week Agnieszka thank you uh, you too and yes uh, see you and I guess I hear you next week bye <laughs> bye Thank you for listening and a massive thank you again to Vicky and Laurie for joining us today. Next week, we will be joined by Jack Bell, our local member of the Scottish Youth Parliament, for a chat about what it means to be an MSYP, how our local young people are doing in lockdown and the Mind Your Time campaign. If you've got a question for Agnieszka, send it to admin at pcabs.org.uk and we'll ask her to answer it for you next week. Until then, look after yourselves. Bye.